Warning, this podcast has stories of real-life events and true crime that happens every day. These stories may contain adult language and graphic or disturbing details not suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Chuck, and Doc is still here with me guest hosting today because Tom is still out um, doing his uh, his spam a lot um, play, um, getting ready for opening day. Um, so, what's up, Doc? How are you? Well, well, what's up, Doc? Yeah, what up? <laughs> doing good. Doing good. <laughs> nice, nice. And still joining us is uh, Nico and Blue. What's up, gentlemen? What's up? Good to see How's you again. So, yeah, good to see you again. Uh, it's <laughs> like we were, we're just talking. Um, so where we left off was uh, you guys ended up getting uh, a place together, a little, little mansion, a little three-story little mansion, playing Guitar yeah, Hero yeah. and you know, having maids cleaning up after you drunk. So yeah. how did that, so, how'd that happen? Friday afternoons, we'd, we'd, we'd finish whatever training we're going through that week if we're still in town. And we just... Sit on the balcony in what was like the Beverly Hills, and everyone kind of had to fluctuate it was, to this it area. Was awesome, man. Sit on the balcony, awesome. cranked Rolling Stones or the Beatles or something, Guitar Hero, Guitar Hero, whatever, and just smashed rum and cokes like pre pre made rum and cokes. Like, so we had a year lease and we got evicted around the 10th month mark. <laughs> so, yeah, we held up we, pretty good. Uh, we, um, we had like we had so our whole intake, you know. Half the dudes were married. Oh, probably, probably more than half, three quarters of the dudes are married. But we'd had big parties at our place, and we just, you know, obviously young dudes just, just achieved our life kind of our life dream of getting into the special forces, and we're just, just absolutely just living the dream. Man, honestly, it was it was probably one of the best that was a highlight. best times of our life. And um, we lived about three hundred meters from this massive, um, uh, like a massive oval where we have all these huge rugby um, tournaments and whatnot, and ACDC. We're in town, and we went to. The, we, they had two. They had two concerts, right? The Friday night, the Saturday night. So we go to the concert on the Friday night. It was obviously fucking amazing because it's ACDC. The second night, we just sat on our balcony and drank whiskey, and the acoustics were better on the Saturday night. From you know, because it like, mate, it was insane. So we got two con. We got two ACDC concerts in this place. This place was awesome, but uh, sadly, sadly, we got evicted. So you know, pour a little liquor. We, we actually we actually went back there like seven years later in our career and and like got pretty shit faced before we went there we went there we paid and we homage, smoked a we? cigar we paid homage, homage and again yeah, paid homage on the street bought a little bit of liquor to the to the properties to just to like mark. <laughs> one for me one for my one, homies one for my homies but it was yeah but yeah. look and I, and I guess yeah to kind of pick up the pace a bit we lived there during our whole training. We were kind of like revolving doors because, as I said, during our training continuum, you know, Nico, um, like we obviously kind of follow a similar trail, but we, we would branch off at particular points in our training. Like I would go and do the, 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 the um, we call it the advanced first aid um, course. Nico would be, yeah, I think he'd become a communicator. Um, and then, like I said, when I went on my, my water course and failed miserably, he was on the, the free fall course, broke his leg because he can't land. But uh, yeah, so we're kind of like scared of the earth. Two ships in the night, you know. Less terra, more firmer, I say. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but, uh, yeah, and so yeah, so we get evicted, but uh, you know we, we we obviously miraculously we get qualified as SAS operators, and we go to the same squad. <laughs> we go to the same yeah. squad, the same troop, and pretty much that's the start of our you know career in the SAS. And and how was that uh, being in the same squadron in the same troop? Uh, as buddy is going through selections, huh? No, nah, I was just giving shit. Like, fucking hated it. Um, so, well, I, I guess at this stage, I, 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 um, you know, I get engaged and, and eventually get married with my, my former former wife. So I'm sort of the the, the times that we <laughs> the, the times that him and I are kicking around like stepbrothers uh, sort of are, are over. You know, I had to I had to put my big boy pants on and um, yeah, I had had two kids. Uh, so that's sort of the path I took. And obviously, yeah, we're still still pretty close, but uh, different kind of. Um, different lifestyles after that really that were the kind of the golden years aren't they you know right but you guys deployed together right the third we one we did so okay so nico does a few trips so he's single he's flying single and they go hey man we need a couple of dudes to go on the winter trip i got asked and i said my 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 my, uh, my fiance at the time just moved to perth so i, I said no. i actually said no and it's one of my biggest well i won't say it's a regret but uh you, you got to be careful what you wish for don't you so i i, I turn yeah. it down Nico, I say no. Nico says yes, and I'll let him uh, talk about his first. Yeah, I, tour I, I, with fucking, the SAS. I fucking loved it. I, I had a great time, dude. It was fucking. And that awesome. was over winter, right? It was over winter, running around the snow, chasing Taliban dudes to their death. It was fucking awesome. Couldn't hide anywhere. We had helicopter <laughs> assets. There's no fucking foliage on the trees. Dudes couldn't run. Like we're fucking gonna hide. Uh, they popped their head out of a door while you're in a helo in, in aerial support. It's like pretty obvious that they're like there with a chest rig and a gun and they run back inside. It's like, well, where else are you going to fucking go? There's no tree cover from any of the right. heroes talking on to wherever. So we, um, yeah, man, we, we just kept doing back-to-back -back missions to make sure the Taliban, like commanders and whatnot, didn't have any respite um, between the, the fighting seasons, you know? So um, there are elected fighting seasons. And I guess for context, every... You know, every unit in the U.S. Army had different um, roles and responsibilities, whatever you want to call it, in you know, right. in Afghanistan or where, wherever, whichever country they deployed to. So, the the Australian SAS, what we were tasked with, and and that that role obviously morphed over time. Certainly before our time, you know, some of the guys like all our, all our instructors and whatnot, when they were first doing tours of Afghanistan, it was all long range patrols, you know, vehicle mounted stuff. And that morphed over the time that we were there. So by the time, you know, us young whippersnappers get, get to, you know, get brought into the fold, we're doing, um, it's explicitly targeting operations. So it's senior right. Taliban leadership, you know, um, we've got the Intel guys saying, all right, here's where all the bad guys are. They'll pop up, you know, we got US assets, you know, whatever the, the, the shift would be, say four days on, four days off. We'd have the helicopters right. for six days in a row. And if a target, you know, if a bad guy presented at that point in time, then it'd be, hey guys, quick, quick, quick briefing, um, yeah, to the ready room. Here's, here's what we're going to do: quick scheme and maneuver, and, and off you go. So straight onto the helicopters, and out you'd go. And that was pretty much the the, the battle rhythm, if you want to call it that, um, for you know, um, for our our rotations when we do, you know, special operations um, task group, you know, so. You need to be, yeah. They were four, they were four month, four month rotations, and so you'd be essentially, you know, you'd be you'd be there for four months, and then you'd be back in Australia for eight months, and that was that was the tempo. Oh you know, wow. Rotate through, and what we're going through now is like a lot of scrutiny has been put on Australian government, and it's not my position to 
to um, to give you my opinion on that. But essentially, you know, if you you could call it performance punishment, and our our, our two commando brothers, they were the same man. Like our government, we were getting results for our government. They were they could put us on a pretty little pedestal and say to everyone else, hey, you know, we're getting awesome results in our province. This is what uh -huh. our special forces units are doing. You know, we're, we're fucking kicking ass, man. And 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 our poor infantry guys were, you know, walking. Uh, Going on a standard patrol, getting getting shot, getting blown up, and um, you know what we were. I'd like to think that the, the role we were doing, we were obviously taking the fight to the enemy. So we were, we were, we were you know, projecting out and uh, and dealing with the threats. And, and in the back of my mind, you know, by day and night too. By the way, right. we would like, we were we were doing day operations when, when everyone else was just doing night. Right? We're like, fuck it, we we'll hunt these blokes by day and night. We don't give a shit. We can kill them any way we can. We're pretty, yeah. we're pretty good for it. Um, so, and we, we just, because you operate, introduce night and day operations, we had a lot of jobs. Like the, the Taliban commanders were like, I don't know whether to put a SIM card in my phone and try to talk to some motherfucker by day or by night. And then they put it in a day and then all of a sudden they, you know, they weren't expecting dudes to come knocking at chasing them, you know, at right. the end of the day and all this so it was like it just made it it just made it a permanently hostile environment for them um which is great which is good we did our job um well in that capacity right and it was busy it was really good well it's good too because you catch them off guard too you're keeping them on their toes uh -huh. yeah um <clears throat> so i know doc and i we, we were both in the, in the marine corps he was also in the navy too but we've experienced some like funny things and you know in our careers in the military, you know, things that, you know, maybe other civilians may never get to see. And you guys were in special forces. Do you guys have any, the most funniest things you've ever seen while on deployment or while in the special forces unit? Cause I know we both have seen some weird, crazy shit. And yeah, I've heard so. about Marsoc dudes doing some wild stuff, you know? So I can only imagine what you guys saw and did. Blue's got one and it's got a really funny joke in there too. Yeah, well, we just, you know, when we when we had a break, we're kind of contemplating whether or not whether or not we tell it. But I, I think we should tell one of the ones first. Mine? Yeah. Well, well, something funny that was done in the like I don't know. I guess coming back to the, the dark humor always gets me right. Like you never really know how. I mean, you've had all this training and and you get you, you're presented with you know some some uh, some. I guess you, you you train a lot, and then when you see it for real for the first time, it's it's not an anticlimax, but it's kind of like, oh, okay. So it just looks like you're watching a movie, right? But it's right. always the uh, the way that people react, or the the the, the dark humour is what gets me, right? Like um, just the places people go, you know. Um, and you're like, wow, that's how your brain thinks. Okay, that's pretty dark. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny. The funny that you say that because I was at a um, was it was Christmas not too long ago. So we my, I went with my my wife's work. Christmas uh, get together party was like all six of her coworkers having dinner together and uh, they all know I'm a law enforcement. And one of the guys looks at me and he goes, so what was one of the funniest things that you've ever seen? On the job? And I was like, all right. So I said one and I was like, well, I guess it wasn't that funny, huh? It was pretty dark. And then the second one, I was like, oh man. Um, Did he laugh though? No, he was like, what the fuck? His eyes got real wide and I was like, Oh shit. And the second one, I was like, well, actually, this one's pretty funny. And I talked about how this like naked, uh, big heavy set black woman um got high as a kite 
and attacked me and my partner. And then we had to wrestle her. And I'm sitting there on top, top of her wrestling her. She's sweaty. She's fucking disgusting, flopping all around. And she's really fat. So you're grabbing a hold of stuff. Her arms, fat arms sliding. And then I look back and, and her, she's butt naked. So her legs are doing this, but she's all sweaty. And she has really curly hair on her uh her stuff and it just keeps and going over and close and then you seeing like the strings come out of just like sweat and mucus oh, oh god and I, I i told that to him at a dinner <laughs> and he looks at me and he's just like what's what fucking me. wrong with you <laughs> yeah now we're getting into it now i'm glad i'm on my third beer this is where we get into the real shit so anyways yeah. here's dessert uh <laughs> <laughs> it was so fucking gross dude that's so fucking no. good i'm glad to hear that shit um, I remember in, in Afghan on like my third trip, I like, I was so shit faced that I'm like, I climbed onto the roof of our <laughs> compound and the sun's rising. So it's, it's been a, you know, you know, a few, uh, a few too many Red Bulls. Yeah. And I'm on the top Red, of the, Red yeah, Bull, I'm yeah. on top of the, I'm on top of the, allegedly I'm on top of the, I'm on top of this roof, right? And there's fucking Apaches and shit flying by and there's. U.S. dudes on the other side of the wall doing their morning PT with their colorful belts, their fluorescent belts they fucking love. Um, and I'm proper <laughs> Doc's fucked. Doc's shaking his head. You get I'm flashbacks like, from I'm, that shit. I'm right? like, I'm like proper fucked on top of this roof. And I'm talking like, if I, it's pretty sloped. I'm like, if I slip, I am fucked. Like, I, I'm like, it's two stories. And what we've done is we paid the engineers or the carpenters or whatever that were hanging around the base. We paid him through whatever way to build a deck in the back of our of our like bunker compound and put in like a kiddies pool in it built into it like so like take a water tank okay. have a water tank in half and make like a bit of a bit of a pool and um, <laughs> right so there's, there's some people in there and I'm getting egged on to cannonball into this pool off the fucking roof and I had this shirt on this puppy dog shirt. I took it off, and still to this day, I've never from seen the it. hangover, right? Yeah, from the hangover. I've never fucking seen it again. Around. I've never seen this fucking shirt again. And I somehow miraculously managed to cannonball into this cannonball with these other people and not injure myself. Like, not even not injure myself, not break my back or my legs or my neck or anything like that. And I got wow. fucking cleared. I got in there, never seen that fucking shirt again. And I'd, and I'd say that that's like a rarity, but shit like that was occurring like Peter infrequently between uh, between constant mission. Well, you, it you, was like how you break the mold. Oh, like you, we're we're getting a little bit. Work hard, play hard. You, know, right? you hear that everywhere and it's, it's, it's oh, true. You've got you to let off some steam, man. You're doing some, you know, like I said, sense of humor is in there for a reason. You've you got to be jovial about it. Guys laugh it off, but... Obviously, that stuff, you know, it, it keeps score, mate. Like, that stuff catches up with you. And uh, at the time, it's an easy way to – you obviously got to keep moving, don't you? Your job is just to stay alive, man. However, yeah. you break that fucking – like, between consistently fucking seeing dead dudes, being directly involved with those dead guys, you, you, there, there has to be a way to break that up and that humour – that humor is the only way that, that that you can really do that. And a few a few drinks every now and then, and whatever, just just breaks the mold. And then the next day, you're like, all right, we're and we're back on it again. Here we go again for whatever oh, yeah. period of time. And it's like, 
You know, like I remember in Afghan, I was tra- I was training like an animal. I was fucking had a dog. I was JTAC and I was coordinating JTAC in the command center as well. And I was training myself as many times a day and doing missions whenever and all this other team training. I was doing a lot and simultaneously trying to teach myself Spanish because I'm just like, <laughs> but I'd still find a way every now and then to be like, I'm going to that like, you know, whenever there was a night, we'd be like, all right, I'm doing this not because I'm, I really even feel like I need to because I need to break the mold of whatever the fuck this is. Like I remember I coming back from my first deployment and it was pretty, no, like I really kind of wish my family had said something, but it was pretty obvious that I wasn't the same dude who went, you know, right. like, and these little intermissions and breaks and things in between were probably the only thing that kind of kept me getting to the next one to perform at the same level like a bit of a reset to perform at the same level every time I went outside and I had to cover the back of the guy next to me and vice versa, right? Speaking of learning, um, yeah, and and spicing that in with sense of humour, it just reminded me of something, talking about dark humour. I remember um, I did this job and um, I was clearing this dude's body and I was with my mate and uh, we're going through his pockets, like obviously looking for pocket litter and whatnot and... uh, out of nowhere, he's just like super casually looked at this guy and he's just like, you just punch your last ticket, amigo. But we just watched asking us like a few days earlier. I just never forget. <laughs> Remember that when he's like, got the, the, he's going through his wallet, dude. Starsky and Hutch, Ben Stiller, and he's like, opens up his wallet. Yeah, anyway, so. Pretty pretty just, just, just random shit pops in. Uh, <clears throat> you know, oh, I think in, in you know, uh, in, in military law enforcement, we, we have to keep, you know, that, that, that sense of humor going because we see so much dark shit and so much bad stuff that having that sense of humor allows us to kind of talk about what we've seen by making jokes of it. You know what I mean? Or just seeing the light in certain things where you're like, you can, you can sit back and, and laugh about it and, and, it, and it helps get through a lot of things. And, you know, you're like, you're saying you, you went on your deployment, you came back, you were a different person and you wish someone would have noticed it, but you know, you know, you go uh, a career in military or law enforcement and you think you're normal, but other people are like, oh, he's different now. You constantly scanning a room, constantly sitting with your back against a door or away from the away from the door. So you can watch the door, you know, uh, strategically planning yourself in front of your kids, you know, always having contingency plans. It, it's, you know, it's taxing on your brain. And we think that's normal, but it's yeah, really not. Conscious. It's that yeah. conscious. You do yeah. that consciousness. Like language has taught me this one. So the consciousness is like, it uses so much more fucking energy than physical. Like we run up hills and shit. He's consciousness all day on fucking gas. And if you're consciously on alert the environment and you, you're, you're aware that that's more taxing and you don't switch that off. Like not only is your body, when you're conscious and you're thinking and you're alert, not only is your body not um resting and recovering and healing it's doing the opposite it's like burning energy and it's in a state where it's like i can't afford to recover right now i'm busy mm-hmm. alert for a threat and, and and like too much of that is just just burns you out right and then 100 percent, dude i i know where you're going i know i completely understand yeah and it's just <clears throat> that's why like everyone would be like at work i'd be joking around and they're like man why are you acting immature? I'm like, I'm not. I'm just trying to see the joy in everything and not be yeah. so uptight because if you constantly dwell on that shit, it's going to bring you down and you got to have a break from it a little bit. Um, shout out to shout out to the cops, by the way, because like 
I don't know how the fuck they do it. Mate, I've said that. I you know, like, I that, don't, mate. like, imagine being, like, you can't blame them for being fucking hammers. And the, the amount of restraint they have oh, is man. impressive because it's like you only deal with the problems and the worst problems of society right. all fucking day. Everyone you rock up to is almost, you know, unless you're just a New Yorker just giving directions on the fucking street, New York police, like for the majority of police, you're turning up to the worst shit, like whether it's petty, whether it's just crackheads having a dispute about nonsense, whether yeah. it's like someone in a like someone has got hit in a car accident, is probably going to die and not see their family, even though you're not getting this altercation, you're still like fuck it, just watch someone die and I've got to go now tell their fucking family that they just died and they fucking got in a bar fight now he's fucking brain dead for life and th that's the best case scenario is where you don't get altercations of yourself where you're like wrestling giant bloody fat chicks and you're just fucked and. <laughs> You know, it's like, and then you get the ones where you're actually threatening to be stabbed or you're being shot at or you whatever. And it's like every fucking day, like talk about conscious and alertness. Yeah. We go home from deployments and we get to rest. Oh, and man, chill yeah. time. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. So, you know, as a soldier, you go to, a, and for me, I think it's easier to, to compartmentalize to deal with because you, you go to X country, Y country, do the job, you come back home and there's a little switch in your brain and you just go, you turn the tap off and it's gone. And you're right. back in Australia and you're back, you know, like one week you're in some shithole, the next week you're back sipping lattes at some real fancy cafe in Perth or whatever. And it's kind of surreal, but at least you can turn the tap off. Whereas um, I've always said that, right? Like with, with first responders in general, with police, like imagine driving past. Oh, yeah, well, I did a homicide down that street. And we got a lot of mates. I got a lot of mates that are cops. Yeah. And I always said, them, I said, fuck, man. They, they, they always ask me questions, you know. About special forces and say, mate, I should be <laughs> let me ask you some questions, dude. Like some fucking crazy shit, you know? Um, yeah, it's 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 well, there's really no shutoff switch for that, too, either. Because you're kind of dealing with it 12 hours on, and you have 12 hours off, and you're back for another 12 hours. You really don't have a chance to to decompress and shut it off. You know, uh, no, no, exactly. the other thing is when we go on deployment, we go home and we're in a fucking bunker or whatever. We may have some Afghanis that are hanging out that might try to shoot this, which have happened. In the patrol bases with the infantry guys, where we were kind of in an air base, in a compound, in a compound, in a high security compound, and then even then our fucking compound was in that where we, that people weren't allowed just to fucking come over their own door codes and shit. So it's like layered, right? But if you're a cop, you're like, cool. I'm staying and sleeping and residing in the same fucking community through a thin yeah. fucking door of the people that have considered me their sworn enemy for pursuing them right. in the face of the, the fucking law for whatever reason. Like, and I don't, there doesn't seem to be a great amount of planning consideration for it that I've heard because I've asked cops about this, but it's like, I don't blame a lot of these guys for becoming hammers. You know, like you're like, what do yeah. you think would fucking happen? If every time they get called out to a nail, they have to become a hammer and then they become a permanent fucking hammer. So it's like, you know, there's no management of them. So instead of defunding, seems a little bit fucking wild that you wouldn't just give them more funding so they could have a little bit more manpower to manage some of this shit. I mean, I'm also, more training. So I might just be like one of those people like, Hey, this is how you fix it. But it's like, I don't know. All I do is just have a lot of, and I guess you could say sympathy because I understand, but my, right. but I haven't been in their shoes. Yeah. But it was just, a, that was that whole defund movement was a whole knee jerk reaction to 
uh, something that had happened and people just being angry and wanting, you know, their sack of flesh or whatever. And, you know, their biggest movement was just let's fucking defund the police. But I agree. Give them more funding, allow them to hire more people to have more manpower so that that one officer who's responding isn't tired as shit. They're not overworked to the point where you're not getting that guy who's a dick, right? You're allowing him to have that, uh, you know, that breath in between calls and not overwork him, you know, and keeps a, yep. keeps him happy or her happy. And then you give them better training and, you know, cause there are agencies all around the country, all around the world that, that are dark shit. They're garbage, right? Because, and it's not that their head isn't in the right place. It's that their training is shit and they don't get the um, amount of exposure. They don't get the training and training is what makes everything like you guys know, you guys trained for a foot. Well, fuck a year and a half before you even really went on yep. to, to do stuff right you know like so training is the backbone of everything learning the basics and you know teaching you know people who maybe their agencies don't have x y and z giving them that extra you know the ability the funds to do that training will exactly. make a big improvement i i agree but yeah a mate of mine that's where created a huh? great simulation with another dude ken murray he created this book called the training at the speed of life Travel around training law enforcement, special operations units, police, and whatever around the world. And he was trying to train him in realistic training profiles, right? And right, right. it was yeah, anyway. So he was he was saying one of the biggest things for him was the more training you do, the more you're able to realize not that oh, this guy can't keep up. He's like, actually, if you train him right, that's a that's an instructor's fault. In training, right? If he's passed the criteria for selection to be in there, or whatever, and aptitude, and whatnot, he can. It's just your instructors aren't doing whatever they need to to get him across. He goes, "What a training actually does it helps you identify the guys that really fucking shouldn't be there, like the right. guys who do something weird in training that you'll be like, that wasn't quite right." And you get you're like, and then you're like, "I'm gonna go fucking ask that guy why he did that," and then you find out you're like. That guy should not be allowed to do this job. He's a liability. Not the oh, guy yeah. that can keep up a little bit. He, he'll get there and he'll be fine. It's the guy that, that went in and like, you know, you're like, you, you're a law enforcement officer and you thought it was, you would double tap this person on the ground. Like, you're like, you're not in a war. Like, right. you, maybe you shouldn't be a fucking cop. <laughs> and that's why you do extra training. You identify the people that really fucking shouldn't be there, you know? Right. And then you've got an excess of, staff and officers you can afford not to take that person on you're not in a place where like fuck we need yeah. three officers so we're gonna have to run the risk you know that's a, another big issue that's plaguing law enforcement modern day law enforcement is that <clears throat> the staffing numbers coming in aren't as high right um recruitment is very low um across all the board i mean there might be some conservative areas that you know get more police than others but they're still they only have the budget for a small amount of people i have seen people in the academy um on training where you're like oh that was weird or you you really shouldn't have fucked that up where they shouldn't be there and they end up making it and then they stay on and and they're getting into issues down the road or you know they end up having to train someone and they're all fucked up so they're training and it's just this perpetual bs of just dog shitness i guess if, to, to speak yeah. quite bluntly but you know, I, I think that's a big issue that's playing because what, what happens if you had a bunch of dudes who in training and selections were like, Ooh, kept shooting the hostage, right? Uh, but it was only a couple times. And then you guys went down range and something crazy happened. And next thing you know, you're all over the fucking news. Yeah. That, that wouldn't be good, right? Yeah, you're exactly right. So yeah. I think that's a big issue plaguing. Now, 
my next question for for uh, for you, Blue and uh, Nico, is um, we've talked about some of the funny shit that's happened, um, the craziness of training, um, living together, going through selections together, but now you're now on the operating forces, and you guys have done so many things. What was something that was either the the most fun or the most hectic that you're like, holy shit, I don't know how I just got out of that. Do you have one of the, I'm sure you have many of those stories, but what is one that you can think back to that's pretty memorable? Yeah, I um, I was only telling my, my fiance the other day because you know, I, I really don't talk much about, like I've, I've moved on pretty well from the military um, and not not because I'm trying to sort of run away from it, but I just, I just, I have a lot of different focuses in my life, right? But every now and again, I like to reflect and, I was only telling her the other day, actually, but um, I'd say I've, I've got three occasions where I thought I was legitimately going to die, and two of them were in training, and I only have one on operations, and it, and it was in some of my earlier trips when I had a, uh, a rocket land sit in front of my car and blow up, and then, you know, we were laughing about the time, and it was all good. Didn't really get any... Um, I, I can't think of any times with the SS where I, I thought I was going to die on operations, but... I did have, uh, I did nearly drown on my water course. That, that was a sort of neither here nor there. But um, the worst one for me was uh, I had a parachute accident, right? So, um, and this was in training, it wasn't, wasn't operations. But basically, uh, you know, we, we do a lot of parachuting, inherently dangerous as, as you can imagine. But um, I actually had a, a collision like a, another dude flew into my canopy, right? Um, and we were, jump, we were jumping out. So we're 12,000 feet and we were getting ready to go. Out. So whenever you go over 12,000 feet, you need to wear, uh, you need oxygen, right? Because otherwise you'll go hypoxic. Your body doesn't have enough oxygen and you'll, you'll pass out. And if you pass out when you're under canopy or when you're parachuting, it's obviously not good. So um, anyway, long story short, we're, we're, we're jumping off the tail of a Hercules and it's about one second intervals. We're diving out. Just like you're diving into a swimming pool, you dive out and you, you bend your back legs so that you, you know, kind of, it's like going down a big slippery slide because the plane is moving at, at, a, at a speed. So you dive out, it's like a big slippery slide. And then when you hit terminal velocity, you kind of come good and you start falling, right? You've got to be symmetrical. And so um, we're doing what's called hop and pop. So we're jumping out and pulling the parachute immediately. Um, and so the dude in front of me, it's not uncommon for your parachute to kind of fling in 90 degrees, depending on how it's been packed. Um, but this particular dude, um, his parachute flung him around like 180 degrees. So he's fucking coming back right at me. So as I dive out, pull my parachute, open up, I'm kind of looking around. And the first thing you do is you kind of look in the space in front of you, right? And I'll look in the space in front of me and I see the dude coming straight towards me and he... Yeah, we're, and we're trainees at this stage, so there's a lot going on. There's a lot of sensory overload. There's a lot of shit to think about. He hasn't really looked too much, right? He's just fucking trying to get to his toggles and, and, and release his uh, his toggles so he can, you know, start controlling his parachute. So it, it's super weird because this shit's playing out in slow motion and this guy's coming towards me. We're sitting around the 30 to 35 jump uh, mark at this stage. So we get this super in-depth lesson at about the 30 jump mark about what to do if X, Y, and Z happens. And we had this lesson the day before, right? So right. the day before I have a canopy collision, I get this super in-depth lesson about what to do if you're tangled, you know, because before that you're like, fuck, if, if something happens, I'm just going to pull my reserve, right? But that's not always the best thing to do, particularly if someone else is in your parachute. 
Um, right. So anyway, um, yeah, I see this guy coming towards me. It's playing out real slow-mo. And I grab my front riser. You know, you've got essentially from your parachute, you've got four main kind of lines coming off. And if you grab the front ones and pull it, what it does is it dips the, the, the top of your riser and you can actually sort of drop in elevation. So we were kind of on, on, sort of eye to eye, you know, and he's super far away, obviously moving quite fast. <clears throat> I grab my front right riser and pull it in like it's fucking, you know, like it's going to save my life. And I dip enough that I'm not in line with him, but uh, his ankles essentially fly straight into my canopy. Right, so I go from having this fucking big, beautiful, massive parachute to um, I remember kind of shutting my eyes, thinking, "Fuck, this is it." Flies into my parachute, and uh, I look up, and it's gone from this huge, <laughs> beautiful canopy to this fucking tiny little piece of nylon, and I start doing these massive revolutions. And I remember it was super surreal. It's kind of like you've ever had any um you know people say if, if you get in a fight or if you're fucking in a car crash or you know everything kind of plays out real slow-mo and i remember feeling this yeah. real ultra sense of calm and just tranquility and i was super chill and i was like it's like an, it was like an out-of-body experience where i was coaching myself and i'm like hey man don't worry about it you've got heaps of time you've, you're at twelve thousand feet and i just casually check my my altimeter and I remember the lesson before, right? It's, I'm sure it saved my life because if I had pulled my reserve, then obviously um, uh, my my, uh, my my fucking res- my my main parachute would have been cut away, my reserve open, and the guy's still just going to fall um, on top of me. So anyway, um, I kind of just remember looking at my altimeter, thinking, "All right, I got a bit of time." I look down and I kind of I go to pull my reserve, and all of a sudden I kind of jolt again, and I'm back. I'm back with an open parachute and I look up and I see, I can see three massive tears, probably like, uh, you know, 30 centimetres. What's that in uh, American talk? I don't know. A couple of feet, like, like three. Foot. <laughs> like, like eight foot. Like, like three a, massive yeah. holes, right? And we have yeah, I was like, I can't help you with that. I don't know the yeah, conversions. Translate, yeah. Three huge holes in my parachute <laughs> and we have what's called a controllability check. And I do some shit with that, and I'm I'm happy that I can land it. And I've got a massive rucksack. I've got a rifle, got an oxygen mask, and um, I land like dude. And I'm, and I'm thinking, yeah, okay, I'll survive that. And then I'm like, fuck, am I actually gonna do I do I? I start stressing out. I'm like, can I land? Like, if I go to land, if I go to flare, I'm landing. Is my parachute gonna fucking collapse? So I, I was I wasn't sure. And I'm like, and I thought, oh, well, do I go to my reserve? And I'll sort of just. And anyway, by the time I, I could try and figure it out, I'm already at like 3,000 feet and oh, wow. fucking eight kilometres away from the, the DZ. And I'm about to land, like where we do our parachute courses, uh, there's these massive, just, just farmland, right? Probably probably the same in the States. And and I land in this massive canola field. Like I'm talking these beautiful fluoro bright yellow flowers and I drop my pack. My pack's dangling about a three-metre cord. And, mate, it's one of the best landings I've ever had. I come in and it was just super graceful. I flare. My parachute worked. I come in. I have, a, like, a running landing and I just sat on my pack. And I'm like, well, fuck, that's it. I'm going to go be a manager at fucking the local supermarket. I'm done. I'm done with the, <laughs> I'm done with the army. Fuck this job. I nearly die. <laughs> right? And we've got uh, and, and I've got no reception. Shit's going bad. I'm fucking praying like a motherfucker as I come in. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Tom Cruise. Everything. And uh, <laughs> so I'm sitting. I'm sitting on my pack. Help me, Jesus. And I'm, help me, Jesus. 
and I pull out my uh, we carry like these little you know um, what those little GPS devices. It's got a little hand clap symbol. You press that to let everyone know you're fine. Yeah, like those little. I don't know whether like an avalanche. You know, people like uh, in the snow they carry them if they're in an avalanche. They kind of yeah. like, like a bit of a bit of a GPS signal sends out. Right. So no one could, no one knew where I was, and I, and I hit the symbol. Everyone knows I'm, I'm not dead. And the first person that finds me is actually a female, right? She was a, one of the only female free fall instructors in the army. And I'm thinking, and, I, and I'm done. I'm fucking done with this job. I'm like, fuck this. And you're thinking now we're both lost. Yeah. Oh. And then, uh, and she comes over the first thing she says to me, right? It's like, oh, oh, I hope someone was wearing, I hope there's footage of that. I hope someone was wearing a GoPro. And I was like, fucking go, go fuck yourself, GoPro. I nearly died. Like I was super, I was cooking off her anyway. So, so I get back there. <laughs> I walked through about four fields to get back to the truck. I get back there. Everyone's like, what the fuck? Anyway, I'm, my head's spinning. And fuck, talk about, like, we, we, we've spoken about good training and I had a really good instructor and he goes, he just goes, Blue, come here, don't talk to anyone, come come here. And it was, it was that was the last jump of the day, right? And he gives me, just him and I, he goes, no, nah, the fucking, the plane's still turning and burning, right? He's like, put this on. Because we were jumping military parachutes and, and I put on a civilian one, like just just a, just a, like a, a free fall, like a skydiving parachute. And he's like, come on, man, let's go. And he got me before I had time to process it, right? And we go straight back up in the air. We go to like 10 grand. Sun's coming down. It was one of the nicest jumps I've had. Just him and I, we jump out. We just crew, you know, we, we kind of, there was a cloud base, about five grand. Just smoke it down through these clouds. Yeah, everything's fine. And it was a lot, and that, that, that became the last jump of the day. And it was only after that, that night, I was processing. I was like, fuck, man. But, it, but this guy was smart, right? Because he just... If that was my last jump, I don't reckon I would have. Yeah, credit credit to the right. senior guys in the unit. They were fucking holding that place. Yeah, because it's not the first time she tapped oh, yeah. In my world, it was like, fuck. I, was, I literally thought I legitimately thought I was going to die. And I already had two kids by then. So I was, oh, I was fucking freaking yeah. out. I was playing everyone. Man. I don't know who to thank for that. I played to a lot of people. So, but yeah. And so, yeah, man, that, that was kind of, that was pretty fucking scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, that's a good instructor because he knows like, Fuck if if I don't get him to have an, a good jump after that last shitty one, he's gonna want to write this off and be done. Cause like you already saying, like fuck this, I'm out, I'm done. Exactly. Like this, you, yeah, good for him. Here's the the validity, the validity, validity. Validity. Fuck knows. Validity. The, validation. No, we're gonna get it. We're gonna keep special needs in it. But it's like here's the problems with wind. You don't know if the next night, the night or the day or whatever is gonna be washed out and then it might be like that for several days so you're sitting on this stewing on the fact that you almost died your last jump and then they end the exercise and the next time you jump yes yeah, you're like all right you're like you've just got this permanent fear like dog training you would do that to a dog yeah. like dog training well, yeah. of, of that same of that scenario they'll sit here and you'll be like no i'm fucking out this is right this is right about you sit on it too long and you'll be like you do everything in your power to maybe avoid parachuting or something like that subconsciously or consciously mm -hmm. yeah. Mate, to be honest i never liked it much after that i was i was always you know some dudes froth it you know they love it but um yeah for me it was always like a bit uh, i just I was always a bit uncomfortable you know i think the dudes who love it have never had a near incident but you broke your leg right i broke my leg which was yeah i guess it was enough for me but i, I kind of just by the time I'd broken my leg and I'd gotten back into it, I'd accepted dying again. Well, truly. So like, <laughs> you see, I hadn't. I've yeah. never accepted dying. So yeah, I just kind of accepted maybe it was going to happen. Look, I, like, so I was a bit of the. Now, at the time, I was like, yeah, Afghan wasn't, you know, I didn't think I'd. But what I'd done is in Afghan, I'd really accepted dying. And I'd accepted right. 
are just like anything above that is pretty good. And, and it took me a few years afterwards to realize like how consistently, like I was just like, oh, I guess we just didn't get that much danger. And now I look back and I'm like, fuck me dead. Like just like the helicopters constantly taking rounds and like the ones you hear are the ones striking the helicopter and right. just beat the halo or getting RPG'd out of the sky or shots here and this and there. And if this guy had run left instead of right or where you'd gone or hadn't gone or stood or whatever. And just it, like the worst ones for me were like getting into a contact shots with the guy at the front of the team or whatever would get into, would get into contact at the front or clearing a building, or whatever facing the rear was the hardest and the worst shit that I had to do in that, in the fucking unit. Like the trust to a T to do that discipline right. of facing the fucking rear when you're in a five-man team, knowing that there's yeah. like literally one guy and maybe five meters between you and that fucking dude and your back of your head is towards what is the known enemy is shit. And you're a duty right. to face the back and try to fucking, you know, any dude's flanking you or coming up from behind her. And it's fucking chaos when we land, right? Like it's... Taliban don't know where they are and their teammates are and all those fucking guys. And like, we are doing the best we can with the job. So it's like, it's like, you know, they could just run around the corner from whatever angle trying to link up with their buddy and they're at the rear. So there is just cause for it. And then that, and they're just thinking about all the rounds ripping past my head and cracking and shit. And I'm like, oh, they were pretty fucking close or just tracking down a wall past my head as I put my head out of building. It's just like constantly like, it was an awful lot of just random luck and and a lot of just near-death experiences and that there is like you know I, I didn't i never really gave much thought of it because i was in a mindset of like yeah i'm probably gonna die maybe so be it like fuck it let's go right. um and it's because of the attitude and the acceptance of it it was just like it was able to allow me to calm but maybe calm to a point where it was like i i wasn't truly grasping and for Glad I didn't at the time of the seriousness of the situations. Yeah. Right. And I was always wondering why would I go back to like series like, oh my God, this and that. And you're like, I think it was I think it was that bad. Like in, in many ways. But now I look at it, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, it was consistently. Right. That. I think what Nico was alluding to earlier, like that desensitization. So you come back different, but you don't know because we're like you're going through this as a group of dudes, right? Or, uh, as, a, as, a, as a team so you go through these experiences together you're only abnormal to people outside of that bubble so right. and we don't notice like we live together man and fucking a few years down the track you know i was carrying this dude because he had a fucking meltdown and like he, he was suffering immensely and and um i never knew i, I couldn't identify the the early warning you don't know like you never know when dudes are suffering right and um right I guess you know the body keeps score as, as you know and, and you just it, this stuff accumulates um but you don't realize it, it's kind of like everyone's noticing it except you right like uh right I had a marriage breakdown and i remember you know i just remember being fucking uh, like a i wasn't human i hadn't i had zero emotion and i think part of that is like the unit you know like military i mean one of the old what are the two the world's Two oldest professions is soldiering and prostitution, right? Like people are fucking good at making soldiers. Right. They know how to do it. That the concoctions like the perfect mix. So, you know, people know how to train soldiers. You get to that level where you you just it's not till afterwards, right? Where you kind of sit there going, fuck. Like when when the, when the smoke clears or when you leave the military, you look back. Like, like we we reflect now, you know, as a father, I'm just like, 
Fuck yeah, in a fucking like, circus, man. Like, like I mean, in, in the most a beautiful fucking masterpiece of a circus. Because it's like I look at all the all the like the way we handled. Yeah. Like we went in there, we went in there, we pursued this. We we like I did shit that like on selection I should have become a quadriplegic several times. Should have died on <laughs> you fucking named multiple times. Like I was going to carry that shit until my back was going to break and. There were several times where I was doing shit where I'm like, my back actually may break. I'm carrying like 1.5 times my body weight for eight right. hours. But and you, I haven't eaten in days. You should, become, this. you should become a quadriplegic from some of the fucking women that you brought home on our training continuum. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, they can't all they can't, they can't all be they can't all be Latinas. <laughs> um, hey, what happens in Thailand stays in Thailand. <laughs> Hello, big boy. The um, burning might not stay in Thailand. So you'd go, you'd go <laughs> and you'd go through training and then you'd drink and you'd have these social occasions. That was a coping mechanism and joking and you'd go back and you do this and you go to the next level and do this and you go to point four. But it's like a fucking blur, but it's like just a constant coping mechanism with a life that is really quite. Yeah. By the time, and then by the time you get to the end, it's just like this compiled mound of shit that you have yet to unpack. And then the moment you get a chance to, I guess, have the downtime to unpack it. That's when shit really starts hitting the fan, right? Yeah. I know Nico and I, we've spoken about it. Um, one of the last podcasts that we did with, with you, um, but blue, like how did you, um, when everything was said and done, all the smoke had cleared, you're, you're, you're done. How did you cope with all the, 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 the trials and tribulations that you had in the hard times in the year? I think blue actually got a, he got to see a live red flag from me. That, oh, yeah. that shook him fucking rattled like him, like proper live red flag for me that it was like oh wow that this, there might be some consequences yeah and you know what i want to tell that story because um you know we've, we've spent the last episode and a half talking about how fucking awesome we are because you know we did all this training but the reality of what we've done you know the reality of governments and armies taking young dudes training them and don't get me wrong we mate we're, we're, we're volunteers we're, we're fucking australian patriots we we love this stuff or we did, you know, but um, it's not until you get a bit older and a bit wiser and you can reflect from, from a different lens, right? And <clears throat> totally oh, Winchester. Win Winchester. We need a Winchester. Goddamn nervous, son. So <laughs> quick start. Quick start. We're on our fourth, Nico's fourth beer. I've got about 20, 20% wine. Now, what left. kind of beers are those? Because it looks like the Duff beer from The Simpsons. Brahma. Yeah, it does. Brahma. It's Brazilian. Doff man can't breathe. And it's not like we're, we're, we're huge drinkers. Like this is just, we haven't we, seen we each other. We spill most of it. Like but, uh, but so, so um, actually we had a, we had a squadron of, uh, we had a squadron of some of America's finest soldiers um, over in Perth working with us. And I mentioned earlier about a, a really special day, Anzac day. And we had, we told these boys, Hey, we're not training on this day. We're going to have a huge, piss up we're going to drink heaps of alcohol we call it piss alcohol right in australia and so um we have we have our american brethren with us and i was in i was in the band right in the ss we've always had a band and and don't get me wrong we're fucking we suck we're terrible but <laughs> when everyone's drinking you know we're doing rock covers there's always a dude that can play the drums a couple of guys on guitar i'm on, i'm on vocals very very average effort i might add but so I'm relatively sober because I want to try and sound decent, right? Which which I didn't achieve. But anyway, so I'm singing, 
Mm-hmm. And Anzac Day, everyone, we're burning it down. Everyone's having a fucking great time. And I'm watching everyone slowly get drunk. It's like I've got the perspective of the whole room. And we're up at we're up at this place here. Big shout out to the Grotto. That's our um, that's our our pub. We call it a, a boozer. Oh, nice. So we're we're playing music there, and it's Anzac Day. It's it's we call it Soldiers Christmas. Everyone's drinking like it's going out of fashion. And I see Nico and one of the American dudes wrestling. Right. And we wear suits, we wear medals. So at this stage, Nico's, he's in his suit, but his suit's fucking trash because it's like four in the Arvo afternoon and he's been drinking all day. And mm-hmm. these dudes, man, they fucking crash tackle each other into a table full of wine glasses and everything smashes. So Nico and this dude, it's like watching two um, Neanderthals trying to light a fire, right? So <laughs> I think it's going to be a good idea. Well, and, and if there was ever any universal, like, mateship here representation, yeah. well, he's American, I'm Australian. And we just, you know, like-minded mental health issues, I think, would be the oh, yeah, best way yeah. to put it. <laughs> and himself confessed as well. And it, yeah. yeah. So these dudes are wrestling. And, and the, these these young gentlemen are from, you might say they're from the Southern Pines region, fucking great bunch of dudes. So they're wrestling and they think it's a good idea. These two Neanderthals that I'm watching think it's a good idea to turn Nico's suit pants into shorts, right? So a guy gets one of the wine, <laughs> one, the stem of a wine thing and he's stabbing it into Nico's shorts, right? And I'm like, hey, dude, the other's like, you got a femoral artery down there. He's like, oh, fuck, don't worry about it. And then he gets a shard of glass. So he's cutting his pants and he makes these two dudes somehow miraculously through their fucking drunkenness make these shorts, you know, these these fucking hot pants. They're about this thick, you know, like 10 centimetres maybe. So, uh, and I I could see Nico super fucking drunk, but something was off, right? And sorry, to go back, on Anzac Day, we start at like 4 a.m., right? And so Nico turns up. He's already drunk and he's fucking swaying. And in, in, in the ceremony in the morning, two dudes have got their arm around him. My, my sergeant major comes up to me. He's like, hey, what's going on with CD? Is, is he all good? And I was like, oh. No, and no one knew, right? Because like, you're all in the same bubble. So if there's a mental health issue, which fucking clearly there was many, but no one, no one can identify it because we're all in the same boat, right? So I, I literally, this is this is as easy as it. This is how it went down. I go up to him and I said, "Hey man, are you okay?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah." And then I kind of just like got a bit serious for a moment. No, nah, man, like, are you okay? And fuck me, I'll never forget it, man. Because he's, I could, I could see like, like the lights were on, but no one's home, right? I could fucking see right into his eye. And mate, he he I, he was fucked. Like he was absolutely. Wrecked and he just broke down then and there. And I kind of like, fuck, right. I looked, I didn't know what to do. And I looked around and like, he's one of my best mates. I looked left and right. No one could see it. And he's drunk as shit. I put my arm, he put his arm around me and we walk outside. And uh, at this stage, our, our pub is like near, we, we call it the patch. So where all the married guys live is like in the one area. There's like probably 200 houses where all the families are and the pub's on top of the hill. So I'm like freaking out. I'm like, fuck, I've got to get him back to my house. So and it's only it's probably three hundred meters away, right? Three hundred yards, like three hundred thirty-three yards. <laughs> and so I'm walking him home, and it, for those who count in freedom, it, 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 <laughs> freedom for <laughs> And I'm walking him home, and we're taking two steps forward, three steps back, and he's just fucking having an absolute breakdown, fucking crying, screaming, and I, I, I was like, holy fuck, this is raw. And this is a and you know what? The worst part for me, man, was like. I could never, 
I never – his poker face was that good. He was holding it. And like all the dudes we know, right, military dudes, even some that right. have taken their life, we're like, if I knew the guy was struggling, man, we could have helped it. But it just – like, you don't know. Dude, dudes are just fucking – you know, they're, they're hard. They're not they're not going to show that weakness. And that, that's part of that um, that culture. So yeah. he's one of my best mates and I had no idea that he was struggling so bad. Like, and suicide, he was saying to me, I want to fucking kill him. And I was like, it was really raw and it fucking hit home for me, man. It, it, was, it was a tough day, man. And so I remember I had to fucking share him. I got him naked, which was, that was pretty fun. It's like the posters. Yeah, like finally posters, got yeah. The posters. <laughs> it's like the poster. <laughs> yeah. Just like the posters. And uh, my, 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 my wife at the time answered the door and she and I was like, just she's like, he's not even dirty. He doesn't even I was like, shower. Just, and now you're like, got a shower. I was just like, don't he's like, he now. needs a shower. He needs a shower. <laughs> I'm reliving some memories. <laughs> Put this little number on. Man, we give him some clothes. <laughs> we give him some clothes. And like my son at the time was probably like three or four. And I remember he fucking passed out in my son's bed. And I remember like looking at him while he was asleep and he's got all these kids toys around him. And I was like, holy fuck, man, what just happened tonight? And, and that really, um, and that was probably the start of it for you, right? Like, I, like, yeah. And it started probably like a week or so before that, where it was like, got to a point where I'm like, Oh, I can't manage. Like, this is it. This is out of the bag. Right. from me. Oh yeah. Like, I'm like, it's not even like, I can't hide it from anyone else. I can't hide it from me. Like I'm fucking, I'm, right. I, I am barely e- e- holding up to existence right now. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and so you know, um, and sorry, mate, to answer your question, Chuck, the long way around. Um, my uh, how how it manifested for me was um, was in anger, right? So you know, and I'm, I'm and I'm a really pretty cool, calm, collected person. I don't I don't really get angry. I'm always like trying to be the clown, trying to make people laugh, and but. So it's uncharacteristic of me to be angry. And, um, you know, I was just fucking losing the blows. Like road rage, particularly for me, I was fucking getting out of my car, like flying off the handle, you know, jumping out. And, and um, uh, you know, and my wife at the time was just like, you, you know, like obviously the marriage didn't last because I was just, fuck, I just, you know, off the reservation. I just, yeah. And, and I'll, ref- and I, I, but I didn't think um, I had any issues, you know, um, I right. refused to. And so if you if you normalize life at whatever the military had been and you go up here, mm-hmm. it's really fucking hard to even see that elevation, right? If you measure it from here and and, and here at the base level, like homeostasis, it's right. a fucking big bump. But when you measure it like that fucking boiling point from a glass that's like half full, mm-hmm. now overboiling, it's really it's lost. It's you know, it's a right. blurry line. Yeah, and uh, you know, I had a I had a probably a few um, scenarios which probably highlighted um, that I needed to you know get some help or whatever, and, and I ended up um, yeah obviously you know, going to get get some help, and 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 I tell you what really fucking fixed me up was on my way out of the army, got a scholarship to study a master, an MBA master business administration, and you know. When, like the old monkey, when you've got a branch in your hand, you don't want to let go till you've got another one firm in your right. hand. And in the military, a lot of us just fucking let go, right? And we're in free fall. And if I had to put a test, you know, success after the military, whether you've been special forces, any role in the military, I think that next branch, like most of us don't know what it is, but as long as you've got something that's, that's going to fucking keep that light that pilot light burning and to push you in a different direction, keep that light on, you know, at the end of the tunnel and 
give you some hope, whether it's learning like Nico was, you know, never sitting still, he's learning languages and, you know, you're studying something new, um, you're pivoting from what you know, you know, you're giving your brain, like instead of dwelling on the, the past and um, dwelling on trauma, right. you, you, it's invigorating to learn new shit, right? No matter what it is. Well, I started playing guitar. Like I've always been in the music, so a bit of guitar and singing, mate, that was, I attest that massively to, um, you know, my therapy, psychotherapy after the army. And, and mate, but, but it's, a, it's a journey that doesn't finish, right? Like it's like all, all four right. of us, in this chat, man, we've all got our own uh, issues and, and it's it's a fucking constant, yeah, you know, like especially if you're a family man, like to keep a relationship, um, you know, like you, you can get selfish and get angry and uh, go back, fall back into what you know, but it's you've got to fight to be a good person, right? Like, um, right. And to let that shit um, affect your life. And one of the other things I tell myself is like, oh, I'm an Australian soldier. Well, I was an Australian soldier. Um, but am I the first one? No, I'm not. Am right. I the last? No. I'm not. So what makes I'm not, I'm not I'm not special. Like how many how many Australian soldiers have been to war and mm. come home? It's in yeah, you know, American soldier, whatever you want to say. So context is another one as well. Where do I fit in the bigger right. picture? I've done I've been a part of the cog, which is a part of the bigger machine. I've done my bit, and now it's like, hey man, don't dwell on it. Go and fucking live the rest of your life and do something different. That was just a, that was just a, a phase. So right. if you can contextualize it like that, I think that helps as well. Yeah. So sure. basically what, um, if I can break it down, what helped you was <clears throat> basically, uh, knowing that there was something there, there was something that was off and wrong and utilizing other things to occupy your mind to, to help you work through these things. So you're not, constantly dwelling on the bad and the negative by doing things that activate your brain muscles and allow you to um, critically think through other things, whether it be through music or through school, uh, allowed you to kind of get your mind off of it so that you could have that time to heal your brain, right? Exactly right. And, you know, like, I know, you know, you see in the movies and you hear like guys after World War II in Vietnam, you know, and you see these dudes are getting back together in big groups and drinking, you know, but is that really the best thing to do? I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I know dudes need to get together and fucking we, we, like, like we're doing right now, drink. I see. Decompress. I, I actually think definitely not. Right. Like, I don't. I don't really drink that much anymore. And like, it's just caught up with him. It's an opportunity to to yarn a bit and catch up. And but I, it's not gonna. I, I, dudes don't want to hear this, but the reality is, everyone that serves in some capacity has like a threshold of mental health stuff that they've got to work through just right. even if you've gone through a recruit school right you, you've been engineering or something and it's yeah it's going to cause some problems right now the the level and the severity of what it means to you and what it means to to, to who you are and your your soul and your journey or whatever it, it, there it is there now you would not in your right mind recommend someone with mental health issues to hang out with other people with mental health issues you would do it to your family you would do it to whatever <laughs> an addict and say hang out with other addicts you wouldn't do it to you wouldn't sit there and tell a like christ you probably wouldn't tell a rape victim to go hang out with other rape victims it's like you know it's like you've got some counseling circles and that and you keep that there and it's like but i i just think that there was a big thing for me the time after was to go into other circles that were more absolutely normalized like him for his mba around suburbs that were like just kind of you know kind of like family man and chasing another pursuing of a certain dream or now there is, there is balance of that, right? Like still go out of my way to catch up with the guys and I will. And now I've done that. I can come back and I'm actually like for guys that if they're in it, I'm like, 
kind of know a lot of the way out. So let me help you. Mm-hmm. Can actually now help them. But before it was just crabs in a bucket pulling each other back into the into the bucket. Oh, you're halfway up the ladder. How do I get out? And like you're kind of pulling each other back down, and and that's what it was like. I think. Uh, yeah, I think I, I, no one really wants to hear that lesson, but I, you know, I like to say it because it's, it's, it's pretty well a lot of truth in that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I I think finding and talking about things and finding uh, maybe someone who's maybe gone through it and has gotten on their other side and utilizing them as like a mentor and, and, and be able to bounce exactly. ideas off of them and be able to talk to them so you don't feel so alone um, at the same time knowing that you can work through this and you can kind of start seeing that light at the end of the tunnel. I think that's very beneficial. Whereas opposed to if you're going to just close yourself off and like a hermit, you're, you're probably going to get things getting a lot worse and things going to get, going to get bad. So I think for a message from me to everybody else out there that's listening is, you know, talk to someone. And if you have someone that has, is a buddy that, you know, has served or maybe having issues, just hit them up and be like, Hey, are you okay? Like Nico was saying, I still go out of my way to checking with the boys, you know, and things like that. And then find things to occupy your time. Yeah, no, exactly right. And, you know, um, like you said, you, um, our last Anzac day, I was chatting to an old um, SAS guy who'd, who'd done two tours of Vietnam, right? And it was real simple what he said. And it, it, it was super jovial, this guy. Like he was the fucking happiest guy you could meet, man, super smiley. And, and he just said, he goes, and I, and I actually went out of my way. I said to him, I know I, I asked him, I said, how was it like for you guys when you came back from Vietnam? And he told me this huge story. And But the short version is we get a lot more help these days. But he said something that really stuck with me. He said, you know what, there's no future in the past. And I was just like, fuck, that's, that's really good. And he said, you know, when I come back from Vietnam, I, I went and worked on a farm for five years. And he went on this, you know, he kind of hid from society. But he said, there's no, there's no future in the past. And, and I'm always, you know, it's like Nico said, you got to check in, but but we're, we're look, you've got to be looking forward, mate. You can't be looking back. That right. you know, what's your next what's your next achievement? What what's gonna be keeping right. that little pilot light on for you? What are you seeking next? Because mate, we've all been in the military, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't right. stop there. You've got, you know, fuck, what else are we gonna do, man? We've got we've got decades touch with, yeah. you know. So get probably after not, it. Get not, after not it. Not you, mate, probably not you. Well, I've got red hair, so <laughs> We're limited at about 40, right? So two years ago. Sweet. <laughs> well, as we as we get ready to close out this episode, uh, I just wanted to, you know, we kind of touched on the mental health. I think it's really important. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think this month is Men's Mental Health Awareness Month, I, I believe. Oh, is that right? I could be completely wrong, but I think I may have seen something. Um, so it is very important that we are discussing this because, you know, far too long as, as men or people as first responders or operators, men or women, we kind of get, you know, our, our feelings aren't aren't really that important, right? As opposed to other people, it, it, it is what it is. As definitely as men, it's we kind of get told, "Hey, suck it the fuck up." No one cares. You know exactly what I mean? Right. So it's it's great to talk about this stuff to to get it out there. And you know, I want to give this uh, opportunity uh, to to Nico and Blue. Any final last thoughts that you think can help someone? That maybe I've got struggling? one. That one I've got one that just came to mind while you're talking, right? And and. Um, let's talk about you know masculinity, dudes that are that are, that are hyper masculine that are in say a military unit, cops, whatever. <clears throat> we we had a tough upbringing. Our, our fathers were hard. We, we grew up. You know, there's a stigma, right? We all know what it is. So someone said to me once, two things are going to happen. If you're you know you're either going to break, which uh, when I say break, yeah, you know, you're going to go fuck. All right, you got me. I need help, and you're going to go seek help, or you're going to break the people around you and 
guys that you know, we all know one of those guys that are super hard, super tough, they were not going to break. And they think they're fine. They go, I don't need help. And they might not, but they're breaking everyone around them. They're breaking their family, their kids, their wife. They don't want to be around someone who's going to fucking fly off the handle because someone cut them off on the road or, you know, um, someone in the streets make a noise, you're going to run out there and fucking threaten to kill them. Like, this is all stuff I've done and I'm ashamed of it. But, um, you know, you've you got to fucking get help, man, if you need it and you know you need it. You're either going to break people around you or yourself. So you need you need that shit. We've spoken about humility early on. Be humble. Um, don't let it get to the point where you drive everyone out of your life. Get, you know, you know right. stay on top of it. Be, I, um, be a real man and stay on top of it. That's what I was saying. I've got one that might be from Doc might know best. When you get when they talk about you getting shot or, or wounded in combat, the first thing that they, and at least for us, maybe it might've just been us actually, but they talk about self-aid. Self-aid, yeah. Self-aid. Buddy aid. Buddy aid. And then. PAFR or whatever. Yeah, like medicine, team, yeah. team PAFR or like patrol first aid or whatever for us, you know. Um, right. and like self-aid. Like they talk about, you know, no one no one cares and all this stuff for masculine men. And it's like, there there is a bit of truth to that. And, and I think it's important not to ignore the truth. The fact that that right. is, a real thing and it's not going to change in a hurry and we're working on it but it's like it's it's slow so it's like the first point of contact for aid is you and yeah, it's always going to be and and it's like have the balls to fucking go you know what come what it's like an it's it's a pretty significant act probably the most courageous thing i ever did was not run into rooms or charging up mountains and gunfights or some shit it was like it it, it actually was to go all right, I'm about to lose my entire career, my fucking identity, um, my purpose in life, essentially who I am and everything that I am and I work towards in the next moment because I'm about to enter this room and tell a commander that I yep. am fucking broken. And that takes and, bigger and balls. That, that was the biggest balls I've ever had to do in anything in my life. Yeah, I agree, career. man, 100%. And it was like, and it was more destructive than any fucking combat explosion, fucking anything, man, that I've ever experienced. It was like more destructive in that moment but it's like it starts itself self-aid man yeah yep absolutely and it's great you had that wherewithal because there are so many people that don't and that aren't here and they're part of the 22 you know that you know 22 veterans a day commit suicide so uh so it's glad that you great that you had that 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 self-reflection we're like oh fuck i gotta get help and and then blue was able to, to 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 notice it you know and and i know he's beating himself up well i was i felt like it was too late well there are, you know, guys like me who had that uh, shit happen to them with their buddy in her unit. And next thing you know, you thought they were just a fucking alcoholic. Come to find out a year later, they fucking take their life. And you're like, fuck, I wish I would have seen that shit a lot sooner, you know? So it, you guys are both here. You're, you know, you, I'm sure we've all lost friends, you know, but you guys are both here. You're able to see it. And that's a victory, you know, a small victory because you guys are here to tell that story and to help other people. Um, so, I commend you both for that and, and to just have the balls and to, to be a fucking man, to be like, I have a fucking problem, you know, um, because we're not immune. The toughest guy isn't immune. Uh, the toughest chick isn't immune. We all have a breaking point. And I know doc, I mean, you, you, you were in the, in the, the Navy and in the, in the Marine Corps. Uh, do you have any, any type of, uh, tips for, for mental health, uh, mental health and, uh, uh, awareness if you're going through stuff. Nah, nothing that you guys haven't already covered. Like if you're if you're struggling, like reaching out 
and stuff is a big thing, but not dwelling on a lot of stuff, like that's probably the hardest thing because, uh, and keeping active is the other thing yeah. too. Cause like recently, like I've had issues and stuff recently too, where it's like, I don't even know like what's going on or where I'm going from here and trying to figure that stuff out. And it's like, okay, do I keep struggling along this path alone or do you reach out and grab stuff and, and realizing at what point do you need to reach out and seek that help and stuff like that? Right. That's, that's the big recognition yeah. thing yeah. knowing when to, when to do it or when to just tip two things on that. Forward. I, I really feel like if you think you're struggling, you're struggling. Don't like, like if you just think and you think it may be, that's a yes. Like don't look for other third party validations, look for a checklist online, don't look for that. If you think you are, you, you for sure are. And you're probably not even aware how far you're in the zone. The other one, um, look for where you're, those without central purpose in their life or are lost or whatever, it kind of like, they fall easy prey to perry woes, worries, nonsense, but a lot of addictions. Look for where you're addicted. And it could be work, it could be chasing money, it could be chasing yeah. girls, it can be chasing, it can be alcohol, yeah. it can be numbnessing in America now for marijuana, it can be all these things. You fill it with these voids of addictions. And it doesn't mean you have to do one. You might do a series of all of those. God forbid you ever have to actually face the, the actual problem and the elephant masturbating in the room. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Eric, as well. Like you were saying, Doc, like real, you know, we're men, we're, 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 you got to simplify. Men are like farm dogs. You, you got to fucking put them to work. What you, dogs need to work, right? They need to chase sheep. You need to get those fuckers working all day long. If, if, if you let a dog sit around, it's going to be a little shit. It's going to dig holes. It's going to chew your shoes. It mm -hmm. doesn't know what's, it needs direction, right? You need direction. You need to get, you, you need to keep moving. You can't stop. You need to keep moving. Find the next branch. And uh, and fucking grab a yeah. whole roof. <laughs> yeah. um, I was gonna say if that's where if this is where we're sort of ending around the podcast, we can maybe end on a good note because I want Blue to tell you a super funny story and joke. Yeah, look, uh, is it a joke though? It's definitely got a joke at the end of it. It's got a punchline and everything. Well, I've been a bit reluctant to tell this, so I'll, I'll tell it super. Um, I'll try and keep it relatively PG, but. We did it. We did a job um, with with some American brethren of ours um, on on my last tour, and um, we, were, we 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 found ourselves right up north um, toward the next stand, whatever stand that is. Um, and uh, so this this particular scallywag had, had shot up, um, had shot an Aussie soldier. Didn't kill him, but he had wounded him, and, he, and he, I think he killed a couple of Afghan soldiers. So he was on the run. So he was an Afghan soldier, green on blue sort of thing. Right. And uh, so we, you know, we, we, um, we rehearsed this, this particular mission, waited for him to present. Um, and when he, when he finally presented, you know, we, we, we had uh, the right lighting, the moon, whatever. So we jumped on some little birds and we cruised up north. It was about a 40 minute flight time. Probably the, the professionally, the most rewarding thing I did in, in my career. Um, so we, we landed at the, at, at the target compound. Before the mission even starts, the, the dudes that get off on, like my mate and I got off on one side, we landed in this kind of, in this paddy where knee deep water. The little bird goes to take off, but because it's super dark, it starts tracking to the right. There's a compound wall and the, the, the American dude we're working with is like, 
fucking gun like this and it nearly gets his head taken off by the by the little bird's fucking rotary wings anyway takes off i'm, I'm on a roof and, and we think this dude's in in, in, a, in an adjacent compound so the, the, the interpreter's calling him out blah, blah blah and then under my feet i feel this fucking the roof just move and uh and the 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 commander, the American dude, jumps on the radio. He's like, hey, who, who, who threw that frag? Like, why didn't you fucking tell us where was the frag at call? And then we realised that the dude that we're going after, he's fucking throwing grenades, right? So <laughs> so he's right. Anyway, and, and my team commander's trying to make entry um, with some Afghan dudes, like some Afghan soldiers, and this guy's throwing grenades. One of the Afghan, like, one of the guys gets fragged in the hand and fucking is just super confused, like, yeah, as you guys know, there's shit going everywhere. It's night. No one knows what compound he's in. Everyone's trying to, yeah, it's complete and utter confusion. So my 2IC starts throwing grenades through this little aperture under me. And so we're like, we're here on the radio, like, yeah, we're going to put a, a, a uh, yeah, dude, yeah. So we, we, I need to get off the roof. So anyway, we're not receiving, like, this guy's not, he's not shooting. Um, there's no grenades getting thrown. So we think he's been, he's been neutralized. And the American dude has got a has got a dog, and he lets the dog off the leash. So the dog's in the room. Now my mate, I, and this wasn't me. I want to point that out. Was my mate? My mate is telling us when we get back to the compound. Right? <laughs> Tells us his story. Say he's uh, he's quartering around, like pawing around, whatever you guys want to call it, um, in the room where the where the dude, yeah, you know, where, where we think he's dead, and um, he comes around super slow and. He see like there's been two or three grenades thrown in there, so you know you can imagine what he what he looks like. His clothes have been blown off him, and the dog, the dog is chewing on a particular region of his body. Right? I don't think I need to pull that out. And so we There's get back to circle of posters again. By the way, we coming back. We get back to, and we get back to the compound. And by the time we get back from the little bit like the fucking the flight time or whatever, the sun's coming up. And so we're sitting around, we're fucking having a chat around the fire and my mate casually, and this is the, the difference between a Australian-American humour, right? <laughs> and he goes, he goes to the dog candle, he's like, hey, man, I don't want to sound rude or anything, but I think your dog's gay. <laughs> <laughs> and this dude, man, he fucking lost the plot. He got so mad. He's like, hey, man, you don't say that. And we're like, whoa, dude, it's just a fucking joke. Dark humor, mate. Come on. It's all good. So, but uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, uh, your dog was eating a tally's uh, penis. It's just a joke, not a dick. Don't take it so hard. <laughs> so wait. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was a pretty, uh, and it, I had to, my mate and I had to check his, yeah, check his pockets and roll him over. And it was, that was a bit of a, um, it was an interesting night that night. But, um, Anyway, um, yeah, we we've spoken about dark humor and how to process things, and uh, yeah. yeah, obviously no offense to to anyone in that, but uh, if you if you take it for what it is, um, yeah, but but interesting scenario. But, yeah, uh, but thank, you for, thank you for prompting it, me for that because I was, what it is. I was a trying to of, for all Americans to stop taking shit too seriously. I was trying yeah. to avoid. I was, I was hoping that was, need to chill. I was out. hoping that story wouldn't come up but anyway. <laughs> You know, I mean, and, and dark humor is a, a way to just, you know, kind of let loose and or make light of the shitty, shitty situations. But as as we're closing out, I, I want to give the guests an opportunity to dedicate this episode to someone or something um, that they want. So, Nico Blue, yeah. floor is yours for that. 
like obviously to, to do this podcast with Nico is an absolute honor. I don't get to see him much, so it's awesome to hang out. We're literally in, in um, Brazil. And we're I'm in, in Brazil, Brazil, we're in Floripa. Um, so yeah. it's awesome to hang out with, with, a, with a familiar face here. But uh, we, we spoke before we kind of started recording, Chuck and Doc, and, and um, I told you I'd like to dedicate this uh, this episode to um, a foundation that I've been involved in creating. It's called the Crate Foundation, Crate with a K. There's a story behind that. Google it if you want a really good World War II um, history lesson, probably the most audacious Australian special operation mission ever conducted. The Crate Foundation, we, we take special forces people that are leaving. We run a week-long program for transition and we connect them. We give them education and we connect them to uh, potential employers. So, you know, we're doing our bit for uh, for people leaving the forces. So Crate Foundation, um, yeah, big, big shout-out to them. And, but shout-out to you blokes as well. So um, thank you very much for, for what you're doing. I, I think you're getting a lot of those stories that people need to hear. It's, I know, um, you know, mm. podcast for me has been a bit of therapy, so listening to other people's experiences. And, um, right. yeah, if anyone listening wants to reach out to Nico and I, we're obviously, yeah, we're on Instagram or just chat to you guys. Reach out, say good day if you want to have a chat, um, please do. And, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for having us, mate. We really, really appreciate hey, you're it. You're welcome. Yeah, thank yeah. you guys for coming. And and for those listening, if you want to hand out your your Instagram handle, if you, if you want people to get in contact with you or where they could find you, or you know if you got anything going on like um, like your your foundation or anything like that, uh, let them know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah we'll we do, can right? we can just attach it to the to the episode. Surely yeah, we we'll chuck we'll chuck it down the bottom, mate. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Send it to me, and, and we'll put it up. To be honest, like congratulations to your listeners. If you've endured our bullshit for this long, you deserve. A fucking, I don't know, a medal or something. <laughs> Talking this, I'm, 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 this is a bottle of wine gone. <laughs> um, it's been well. Yeah, thank you guys for coming on. Uh, again, thank you, Doc, for coming on. I just want to say thank you to all the listeners. If you like today's podcast and the content we provide, please help us out by rating or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever podcast platform uh, you subscribe to. Um, follow us on uh, on our Instagram at war underscore stories underscore official and our Facebook at War Stories Podcast. If you already, already follow us, please like and share our posts and uh, you click the link in the bio to hit all of our socials and our media. Um, you can also go to our website, www.warstoriesofficial and grab some gear. And if you have a story you want to share you think you have a friend go to booking.warstories at gmail.com and i can get you booked we're always looking for law enforcement firefighters medics but also corrections dispatchers and nurses and veterans so if you got a story go to booking.warstories at gmail.com i just want to say thank you to everybody uh for coming on again thank you doc for coming on and sitting in for tom while he's out uh getting his his play ready um Unfortunately, if, if it was broadcasted, we would broadcast that live for everyone to watch uh, Tom and spam a lot. Uh, so we wish him all the best of luck. And Nico, Blue, thank you guys so much for coming on. It was a pleasure. Um, I look forward to chatting with you guys in the future and maybe having one of you guys come back on or both you guys come back on down the road to tell some more funny stories. Um, yeah, so, or, or heart-wrenching or whatever you guys want to talk about. Oh. We're always open to it. So I can tell um, you some about my posters when well, I was a teenager, if you like. Actually, as a as a as a great one, um, I love that synopsis. Like this is this would be my favorite way to, to end it if it was a mental health awareness. Um, as a synopsis, like I love how you said if it's funny or heart wrenching, and I think the key to the mental health success is to talk about the full spectrums spectrum of emotions. Yeah and stories and everything with your mates couldn't agree more like the truth 
Tell me the worst shit you did, the most embarrassing shit, the most shameful shit, the funniest shit, the most emotionally destroying shit. And that's how you start releasing this and you start identifying like shit for what it actually is, whether it needs to be right. tended to. Like, oh, fuck, what was that? That kind of came up in that convo tonight. But the full range, right. having the courage to investigate and openly talk with your mates or your mate, the, the, the depth of that, not just having a laugh Absolutely. at all sunshine. Agreed. Absolutely. True. Um, and Doc, do you have anything to say? Any last minute thoughts? Nah, I'm, I'm good on this end. I don't have anything else. I took up a lot of time and talks chill. You know, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> well, thank you again. And thank you guys. And as always, if you're, if you're, if you're struggling, get some help, talk to someone about it. Uh, and uh, if you have a friend you think is struggling, just, Hey, are you okay? Give them a text, give them a call and it might make the world a difference. But as always, Come home with your shield or on it. Love it. Thanks, mate.